Live by every word. That is the challenge and the opportunity the Bible gives to you. This program examines the actual words that have proceeded out of the mouth of God Himself so we can use them to guide our paths and live by them in our everyday lives. This is Live by Every Word. Thanks for joining me today here on Live by Every Word. I'm Dwight Falk. This is Trumpet Radio 101.3 KPCG. We're online at kpcg.fm and have a live link at thetrumpet.com. All of our programming here on KPCG is available in podcast form. If you can't catch it live, you can get those podcasts wherever you like to get your podcasts or at thetrumpet.com. You've probably driven by church buildings before in different towns and seen the sign out front saying that all are welcome to come. And they might have sort of a catchy saying, something humorous, maybe, but uh, trying to attract attention to get people to come to the church. And um, that's pretty common. It sounds nice, sounds friendly. But we have to stop and consider, is that what Christ taught? What did Christ teach? Is he trying to call as many people as possible today? What is he doing? What is he up to? There's been some news stories even recently, terrible stories, where People have entered some of those church buildings and uh, committed violent crimes, horrible things. And you see that on the news occasionally. What did Christ teach about who he's calling today? Is it just anybody? Anybody can come and, and that's fine? Or is there something else? Being a Christian means having God's spirit, certainly, and, and living according to God's word, living as Christ lived. We have to look at what Christ said. And so on this subject, it's important that we do that, that we look and we see what Christ taught. Christ has a very basic teaching, a very basic truth that most professing Christians just can't believe. And that truth is that God is only calling a few people today. Only a few people. And now I know there are religions out there that claim to be Christian that have millions, sometimes billions of people. But Christ didn't say that they would call billions today. He said it would be a small group. But again, that's a truth that Christ taught, and yet people struggle with it. The one great purpose uppermost in God's mind is the restoration of his government on this earth. You can look at Second Corinthians 4 and verse 4, and that shows that Satan is actually the God of this world today. That's a startling truth, but it's there in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 4. That's why there's so much evil. That's why you see those terrible stories of people entering you know, churches or other buildings and committing violent crimes. That's not God's will. That's Satan. Satan is a God of this world today. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 4 shows that. And so again, sometimes people will wonder, well, how could... You know, how could all of these wars and all of these things happen? Where's God in all of this? Well, God's hands off for a while. Satan, in his way, the way that man has chosen. That's what's happening in front of us. Those are the fruits that we see. We'll look at that a little bit as we go. Mankind, if you go back to the Garden of Eden in the first few chapters of Genesis, you see very clearly that mankind chose to go Satan's way in the Garden of Eden. They chose to go that way. And so the world is being ruled by its kidnapper, Satan the devil. 
they chose to go that way and say, well, we're going to, you know, form our own systems of education, religion. We'll come up with our own ideas on these things. And the fruits in this world is the result of that choice. But God will restore his government. He's going to do that, and he's going to restore it at the second coming of Jesus Christ. That's when it will be restored to this earth. You can read about that in Acts 3 and verse 21. It shows there that Christ is going to return and restore all things to this earth, including the government of God. And if it was here today in terms of uh, on a global scale, then it wouldn't have to be restored. It has to be restored because it's not here right now. It is in God's church, but again, it's a small group. It's not in this world. God the Father and Jesus Christ are preparing for the restoration of God's government. They're preparing for that. How are they doing it? Well, God has called out a few over man's history. He's given them his Holy Spirit and prepared them to help rule in the government of God. God needs people to help. Jesus Christ needs a bride, as the Bible talks about that group of people, a first fruit bride to help him. Notice this quote from the Herbert W. Armstrong College Bible Correspondence Course is free. It's at thetrumpet.com, so please sign up for that if you have not done so. But it says, During this 6,000 years, when mankind as a whole is cut off from the Holy Spirit, so there's, again, there's some, some things you need to understand about that, and you can study into it more. We talked about Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. They made their choice. You can read there that they were cut off. God said, you're not, you're not going to come back in here and take the tree of life. They were cut off. But it says, God has nevertheless been preparing for the salvation of mankind. And that is why some few have been called prior to Christ's return and the establishment of God's government. Hebrews 11, it says, mentions Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, and others. Of course, that's the faith chapter. It says, each was called for a special mission preparatory to the salvation of humanity. In order for them to perform their mission, it was necessary that an exception be made and they be empowered by God's Spirit. And so God did give his spirit to some in the Old Testament, and those names were mentioned there, Enoch, Noah, Abel, others. Hebrews 11 talks about that. And then in A.D. 31, God's church was founded when the Holy Spirit was given, that New Testament church, the church of God, Jesus Christ being the head. So God's working with a group of people today, small group, and the question then is, well, can anybody just sort of decide, like, well, I, I guess I'd like to be part of that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sign up for that. Is that the way that it works? Is it just as simple as you know, walking into a building? Or is it just as simple as confessing that Christ is our Savior? Well, what did Christ teach about that? Notice John 6 and verse 44. We've got a few passages today, so if you have a Bible handy, you could get your Bible out, and we could look at these together and see, see what the words of Christ are regarding this teaching. Who, who's being called today? John 6 and verse 44, it says, this is Christ speaking. It says, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Nobody can just decide to come to Christ. 
People don't just decide that on a whim. God has to specifically call them. God has to call them. See, that's not the way the world teaches it. But that's what Christ said. And then down in verse 65, he says again, And he said, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my Father. And so you remember he was uh, talking to Peter earlier, and you know he said, well, who, who do men say that I am? And they said, well, you know, the prophet and a few other things. He said, but who do you say that I am? And Peter said, well, you're the Son of God. And Christ said, well, you're blessed, Peter, because my Father has revealed this unto you. See, God has to be calling. God has to be showing us things, revealing things. That was true back then, and it's true today person cannot come to Christ unless God the Father draws him. So God the Father has to call people, and that's his prerogative, who he decides to call. And he's only calling a few today. It's not a huge group. It's not the whole world. You know, there's that idea that God and Satan are in this battle for people. And and uh, if that were true, as you've, you probably have heard talked about before, but if that were true, then, then uh Satan would be winning, wouldn't he? I mean, look at all the the people that just are, you know, committing some atrocious acts that you know are not according to God's laws and don't seem to care about that. People that don't even know anything about the name of Jesus Christ or what he did, they just, uh, they've never heard it. There's a lot of people like that. So, again, God's not trying to save mankind right this second. He will do it. He will do it. But he's only calling out a small group today in preparation for bringing in all the world. God has to call people. He has to do it. The correspondence course continues and says, In this age, before Christ begins to rule over the whole earth, each person is specially chosen. They're specially chosen. It's not happenstance or random. God does the choosing. It says, like the prophets before them, these first fruits are called for a special mission, a purpose preparatory to the establishment of God's kingdom on earth and the salvation of mankind. Otherwise, no exceptions can be made. The world as a whole must remain cut off from access to salvation until Christ returns. And that's God's plan. There's only a few that are called. They're called first fruits in the Bible. And they have to be specially chosen. And they're called for a special job. To get God's warning message out to this world today. And then also, as they do that, and, and that's, the gospel is certainly a big, uh, a big part of the message, and that warning is part of that gospel message. But they're also, as they're supporting the work, learning how to apply God's government, learning how to submit to it, preparing to help other people do the same thing. So again, God's church, his true church, does not try to convert anyone. And the reason is, is because of what's said in John six forty four, what Christ said, the Father has to do the calling. Only God can convert somebody. But, of course, God's church does strive to make God's way easy to understand for those whom God is calling. You know, God's message isn't a secret, it's out there. It's, it's made as plain as possible, but only those that God the Father calls really come along with it. And that's God's prerogative. So God's calling a few 
so they can prepare to help all of mankind. You see, it's not a selfish endeavor. Um, God is not a respecter of persons. You can read that in Acts 10 and verse 34. He doesn't play favorites. Um, After all, Christ died for all of mankind. But God does have a plan of salvation for all of mankind. And then he has a timetable for executing that plan. It's all according to his plan. You know, people might have an opinion about that one way or the other, but it's irrelevant. You know, it's like Christ asking Peter, well, who do men say that I am? And then saying, but who do you say that I am? And of course, Peter knew who Christ was because the Father revealed it. It wasn't about opinion. Nothing of uh, God's truth, nothing that that uh, is in God's truth is a matter of opinion. It's what God says in his word. And it's his prerogative who he decides to call. Notice Acts 2, verses 38 through 39. This is a very well-known passage here. This is a, that first uh, Pentecost when God's Spirit was given. Acts 2, verses 38 through 39. They Peter preached this powerful sermon, and many that were there um, said, well, what should we do? You know, what, what, what's, our, what's our responsibility in this? And then Peter answers. Verse 38, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39, For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So there again we see the exact same truth, the exact same teaching. Peter's saying the same thing Christ said, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. God has to do the calling. He has to do the calling. And those who respond, repent, and then are baptized, they receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And only a few do that. Only a few are called. Only a few are called. I know there's big global callings, I guess, if you want to say it that way, or you know, big groups of people that all around the world, they have their, their, their altar call and come on up and all of that. But, but that's not God behind that. That's just man. That's man and man's organizations. Christ said in Matthew 24 that many would come in his name saying, Christ is Christ. They'd talk about him. They'd talk about his name and, and say, yes, he's the Savior and such, but they wouldn't do what he said. They wouldn't do what he said. Notice verse 47 here in Acts 2. It says, Praising God and having favor with all the people. And this is talking about the, those uh, first century converts. It says, And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Again, what's the takeaway on that? Well, that the Lord added to the church daily. God was doing it. God was adding to the church. It wasn't up to people. Now, again, the apostles did all they could to make it plain, but God had to call people, and and they knew that, and they understood that. God did the calling. It wasn't up to men. People didn't decide on their own, like, ah, yeah, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure this out. <laughs> God had to open their mind, and then they have to answer that calling, of course. There is their part in it, but the apostles understood, just as Christ had instructed, that God's the one that does the calling. God did the calling. What's what's uh, the process here? <laughs> what's the process like being called by God? Mr. Armstrong wrote about this in The Incredible Human Potential. 
That's a free book at thetrumpet.com. You can request that and read it. And it gets to a lot of awesome details about your incredible human potential, you know, and all of mankind, whether called today or in the future. Everyone has an awesome potential. He says, yet no one can of himself say, oh, now I see. I must repent. All right. I hereby repent. He says, one does not just decide casually as a matter of routine to repent. Why? He said, Jesus Christ said that none can come to him except the Spirit of the Father draw him. And then he quotes John 6, 44, John 6, 65. We read that earlier. He says, God grants repentance. You can read that in Romans 2 and verse 4. God grants repentance. God calls one and convicts the mind and conscience by his Holy Spirit, working on the mind externally. Usually, he says, a real struggle goes on within. It's a real struggle when somebody's being called. They don't just casually say, ah, I'm going to pick a church. There's a real struggle because there's a major lifestyle change. It says the person has been shaken to know he has done wrong and that he is wrong. He has sinned. He is a sinner. He is brought to real repentance, not only for what he has done, but for what he now sees that he is. It's not easy. The self never wants to die. To repent is to make an unconditional surrender to God to obey his law. And see, that's where the rubber really meets the road, as the expression is. To repent make, is to make an unconditional surrender to God and to obey his law. Now, people might say, well, I, yeah, I think I want to do that. Well, they have to take a look at all the commandments of God. The test commandment is the Sabbath day. Will people keep the Sabbath holy every week, the way God says? Uh, most people don't want to do that. But to repent means to make an unconditional surrender to God and to obey his law, Mr. Armstrong writes. He says, yet he himself must make the decision. The you know, person has to do it. God's not going to force someone. He'll call them, but he's not going to force them. It says, if he does repent, surrender to God, and in faith accept Jesus Christ as personal Savior, then upon performance of these two conditions, God promises to put within him the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is the very life of God, spirit life. It imparts to him the very divine nature. I mean, that's really amazing. It's, a, it's an amazing gift that God gives. Now, the person can't earn it, but God gives it as a gift to those that he calls. And they accept that calling, and they really repent, and they have faith. And they obey God, faith and obedience. So being called is something that it is God's prerogative. He decides who to call. And those people that respond to that calling, they make some real changes. They... They see that they're not living according to the word of God, and then they make changes so that they do live according to that word. And it takes time. It's not, you know, nobody's perfect, but it is certainly an effort and a direction to continue to go the right way and to make those changes and to take some action. But God has to do the calling. God has to do the calling. It's a really profound teaching and understanding, but it is the very teaching of Jesus Christ. 
You can learn a lot more about this by reading the book we quoted from, The Incredible Human Potential. That's free at thetrumpet.com, as well as studying Lesson 31 of the Herbert W. Armstrong College Bible Correspondence Course. God's calling a small group today, but he's doing it so that he can eventually call the whole world. It's awesome news for everybody, but we do need to understand God's time sequence and order in his plan of salvation for mankind. That's all the time we have for today on this edition of Live by Every Word. Thank you for spending some of your time with me today. I'm Dwight Falk. Until next time, let's all strive to more perfectly live by every word of God. You've been listening to Live by Every Word on Trumpet Radio 101.3 KPCG and online at kpcg.fm and thetrumpet.com.